This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that, like wolves, barks at the moon. A proper old-fashioned cup tie at Molyneux on Saturday, where wolves were all hi-ho, but it was Chelsea that got the silver lining. Mind you, for the first half, the wolves were definitely howling as they huffed and puffed at a Chelsea side, playing like the three little pigs. Thankfully, they couldn't blow our house down, and as a consequence, Chelsea danced with the Wolves as they tired, finishing them off with a couple of Pedro and Costa silver bullets. I am Stanford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is The Chelsea Fancast. They huffed, and they puffed, and very obviously, they could not blow our house down. Now, um, hopefully, the house will not uh, get blown down by the three little pigs that I have with me tonight, who are in no particular order... The lovely Jonathan Kidd. Oink, oink. Oink, oink, indeed. Uh, we also have back, we haven't had him on, on the show for a while. I've, I've, the rare occasion that I've actually seen Dan more recently than I've heard him on the fan cars, which is a bit odd. But Dan, lovely to have you back as always. Yeah, and it's great to be back. How you all doing? All good, mate. All good in the hood. Excellent. Glad to be in the, uh, in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. And uh, last but by no means least, it's a, it's a very lovely, warm uh, welcome back to Liam Toomey, who, of course, is Chelsea's correspondent on uh, ESPN and uh, made his debut a few weeks ago, only to find that he was surrounded by nutters in the name of Tony Glover and Alex Churchill, and therefore he didn't get a word in Edgeway. So I've invited Dan back with some more sensible company tonight. So, Liam, it's lovely to have you back on the show, and thank you for agreeing to come back on. Pleasure to be back, guys. Um, it's a bit strange to be referred to as a pig, but I've certainly had <laughs> I've certainly had worse reviews. So. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, it was just a, it was a, it was a metaphor, really. Just a <laughs> metaphor. Don't worry, everybody. Right, and of course, warm welcome to the the wonderful amount of people who are already in Mixler, including some of my favourite names, such as I saw Alan May's score. Uh, Bonnie Rig Blues is in the house. 
Uh, Gary Gary Wilson is back. I'm very glad to see Gary's back in here and John Chips Chiverton and Planet Earth Blue. Loads of people, as always. Anyway, on the show tonight, uh, we will ask why Chelsea were not hungry like the Wolves. Uh, do they not get how important the FA Cup is? And what makes footballers sloppy? Uh, in part two, we rename Pedro Pedro Osgood as the young Eli Wallach lookalike kept up his record of scoring in every round in the Cup. Uh, can he repeat the great Peter Osgood's feat? And can Chelsea do the double again? Uh, in part three, we discuss the next round where we host Man United and a certain former manager. Uh, will he part the bus or will we spank his body again? Uh, in part four, we've got some cracking emails from uh, this week, appropriately, somebody called Kevin Costner. I don't know if it's the real one or not. No doubt we will find out. And, of course, Luke Hatherley, who Dan knows because uh, Luke's from... Is he from Brisbane, Dan? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, does he do that, that podcast out there? Oh, I think, yeah, I think there's a group of four or five of them that does yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty, pretty sure he does. Well, that's a good point. Is it called the mm. Brisbane Brisbane Chelsea podcast or something? Yeah, you've got me on the spot. I don't know off the top of my head. Brisbane yeah. Blues, the Brisbane Blues, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very yeah. funny because being Aussie, yeah. of course. It's a, do you know what? It reminds me a little bit like what we used to be like uh, when we used to record the podcast straight after the game in the pub, absolutely shit faced. So yeah. they don't I didn't hold guess back. On it. Guess yeah, on they, it. Yeah, yeah, they they don't hold back and they swear a lot, right? They do. Yeah, it's like it's like Kevin Bloody Wilson in my head. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Aussies like like a good swear up, don't they? Anyway, um, yeah. So we'll be hearing from Luke later on. Now, don't forget. Uh, you can listen to the show live, or as Martin Tyler would say, and it's live every Monday live. night at su- live at, sun- at seven o'clock, live. seven seven of the hour, uh, by going to Mixler, which of course, as you all know by now, uh, but just because it amuses me, I'm going to repeat it. It's mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast. And, of course, what you do there is you post lots of stuff in the chat room, as many are doing. I mean, if she don't come and says, I still have a hangover from Molyneux. For example, Shed Upper says, morning all. That means Ramsey's abroad somewhere. Uh, Jacaranda's smiley face. I mean, there's loads of them in there. It's great fun. Steve Hadlow, too. And incidentally, actually, if you follow Steve Hadlow on Twitter, um, Steve occasionally does his own kind of podcast type thinking about Chelsea. And Stephen Marchman is a very, very measured uh, person in terms of his views on the game so it's well worth a watch so look out for steve will no doubt put up on mixler in a minute what his twitter handle is but uh check his podcast out because it's well worth a look anyway uh enough of me prattling on uh we're gonna have a little bit of a quick stingage and then we'll be back to talk about the football Okay, we're back, and uh, of course we're here to talk about the Wolves game ostensibly. Um, just to kind of, I mean, you know, really, just really to concentrate on the the, the first half, really, because it, 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 it's tempted to say it was a poor start, but at the end of the day, you know, what what struck me most was that the Wolves were well up for it, uh, just like their fans. Actually, I mean, uh, I think it was the that was the the most people they've had in that ground since like nineteen eighty nine. So of course, classically, they were here for the Chelsea. You're only here for the Chelsea. Um, 
But uh, they were very hungry like wolves, and, and I felt, Jonathan, that we were not hungry like wolves. That's how it looked, well, anyway. Well, we, we, we particularly didn't turn up for the first five minutes when uh, that poor boy, Savile, who mm. I may say that JT gave, gave a hug to at the end, which was really lovely, because they'd been um, he'd been uh, um, uh, in the youth team, of course, hadn't he? Which just goes to show what, how uh, JT is uh, revered within... Uh, uh, with all the uh, the youth players that uh, come back to play against us, um, but yeah, they, uh, obviously hit, hit the post. It was um, it was very poor, and in a sense, it, it, it's bizarre that he chose a, a team that had um, uh, the normal attackers and yet uh, uh, changed all the defenders. I know he's got the power to bring people on, but they they really played like people who hadn't played together before in that uh, in that setup. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was very poor indeed. Are you hearing me all right, Chidge? I am. I am. I'm just listening. You listening intently to you, and I, I should at this at this oh, juncture sweet. actually uh, at this juncture I really should point out to the listener, uh, you know, whoever ever doubts the veracity of of uh, Jonathan Kidd's supreme Chelsea supported them, um, but Jonathan, out of the four of us that are on the show tonight, was the only one, the only one who was actually at the game. So fair play to J.K. for making the trip up to the Black Country. Um, Thank Jonathan, you. I, I did. Ha- I have to make a point though. I did see see your, the photograph of where you were from. Um, you weren't up in the corner though, were you? With all the no, but, all, with no all the they weren't. No, but they weren't. They weren't up in the corner because we weren't up in the. They had the corner. Um, which is where the players went at the end of the game, but also we were we were along the the the, the normal stand as well. I think they because they have to give a certain number of tickets, don't they, to the to the FA Cup rather than a a league game. Because yeah. I remember being up in the in the corner because I was at the the two nil uh, when uh, is it two nil two one um, when Drogba scored and um, what was his name the Russian boy who uh, went Zirkov. back. To- uh, yeah, him. He, he scored. I a beg lovely your goal. pardon, Dan. There's no need to do that, JK. But yeah, but we were we were up on the on the bank at the back. Whereas this in this instance, obviously they've got to give a bigger uh, number of tickets. So we were we were on the halfway line. It was a really oh. nice view. Um, but yeah, the the fans were, as you said. But once again, it's like Burnley. They're they're completely up for it because it's like yeah. their cup final. And uh, and we were a bit naive, I felt, as a consequence because we went out with that energy. And obviously, JT doesn't play with Zuma very much. JT doesn't play with anybody very much at the moment. Having Pedro playing um, uh, wing back is not um, a good idea because he's not a good defender, as was proven in the first couple of minutes where he lost the ball and for them hitting the post. And um, um, and Moses appeared to be not with it. It just didn't Mm. beat anybody. And as we will discover uh, in the course of this um, Hazard is just uh, disappearing, and we'll get, um, we'll get to that. We'll get there. Where was yeah. he? As we yeah. say, I just want to. I want to. I, I want to pick up on on the point that you've introduced, really, actually, and 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 bring uh, Dan in for a second. But uh, I mean, you know, that was the impression that I had actually, and I think Jonathan makes a really good point about the fact that that back three hadn't played together before, and they actually looked like it. They thought they thought they looked particularly shaky as as Wolves really had a go, didn't they, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I was, you always anticipate when you're playing a lower league team away in a cup, they're going to really kind of come at you for the first half hour, 40 minutes. And it's really a bit disorganised. JT's not played properly. Ake's only playing his second game for us. So there was a degree of <clears throat> disorganisation. But it's, it's the FA Cup. That's what happens. You know, you, you, know, you can imagine, like, you know, coming at us, is their big cup final. Had Savile scored in the first minute, it might have completely changed the game. But we, we kind of weathered the storm, as it were, and more and more into the game, as, as you know, as the half ended, and then the second half, I think we took control. It was, 
it's, it's a different level to the Premier League. It's a kind of different mentality from these players. This is their, you know, in the shop window. It's on TV. They're hungry. They want to, you know, get, you know, nail their colours to the last. Say, right, we've beaten Chelsea. Because they, they put that um, small team from Merseyside to the sword in the last round. So they're by no means a, you know, a, a team without, you know, potential. Yeah, it's interesting. Unless you're Fulham, who of course just shrink away from the television cameras and play like complete idiots as they did yesterday. Sorry, I just yeah, had to... But, but on that point, JK, I, I mean, Spurs actually put out pretty much a full-strength side. No, they did. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Fair play to them, actually. They took it yeah. seriously. We're going to cover taking it seriously in a minute. But it's about time we heard from Liam. You know, Liam is our special guest and he has more brains than all, all the three of us put together, I can say. Um, I but But Liam, I mean, another thing, other than the shaky defence in the first half, uh, they were pretty toothless up front. But what, what I cannot um, understand, and, and, I, and I'm going to ask Kerry this on, on Thursday when, when I do the show with him, but what I cannot understand, not, not just the Burnley game, where in a sense it was forgivable because the conditions were absolutely awful, but they kept on giving the bloody ball away all the time. I mean, how I just don't understand how, how footballers of that huge quality can be so sloppy. Have you got any insight onto why that might be the case? Well, I don't know if the, the theory that I have doesn't really hold up, I guess, with the Burnley game, because that was more the strongest 11. But if you do make seven changes, um, even if you have the same attack, what what this system relies on, uh, with Conte is you'll find that they often ping first time passes around the corner or play little triangles all over the pitch, but it'll, it'll be a very quick interchange of passes. And, um, and I think sometimes when you change the personnel, even slightly, the chemistry isn't quite there. And you, I think you saw that in the first 20, 30 minutes, but I think the biggest factor on Saturday was just Wolves pressing. Yeah. And yeah. You saw what they did in the first half. It, it it was unsustainable. It was very impressive, but it was physically unsustainable. They dipped massively in the second half. And it was no no coincidence that Chelsea were able to get a foot on the ball and beat them. I think it's just a, a case of one... There was a certain element of one team pacing themselves and another team trying to impose themselves early by playing at an unsustainable pace. And they didn't get the the goal or maybe two goals that they needed to in that time to, to really you know, put Chelsea in danger. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a really good point, mate. And you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it sounds like we're having a bit of a moan, which I, I'm not because, I mean, I'm just trying to split this up literally into the first half versus the second half. We'll do the second half in part two. But my overriding feeling on the game, and I, and, I'll, I, and bless his heart, this is something that Kerry drums into me every week when we do the show. But uh, the bottom line is, you know, you line up against walls. Our players are better than their players. So barring the fact that, as, as I think you've already said, if George Savile has scored, it becomes a slightly different game. But, you know, providing that they're patient and they, you, they weather the storm, our quality will tell. And as we'll talk about in part two, I think our goals are a classic example of that. But before we uh, get on to that, I, I think we really need to address the uh, slight conundrum uh, that is uh, the wonderful Eden Hazard. And I have to be honest and say, Jonathan, it was a, a bit of a disappointing performance by him. And although I, I do take on board what Liam said, actually, I thought that was a very good point. That if they haven't played much together as a team, in fact, actually, the word that's pinging into my head about, you know, Conte's uh, tactical style is continuity. And of course, with a lack of that, then you can understand that. But I did think Hazard, he just, you know, he didn't impose himself on the game for me. According to the stats, he's disappeared in the last five games. So it's not just been that one. Okay. Um, but uh, yes, he, he popped up after 30 minutes. And I actually said to the people I was with, bloody hell, I forgot he was playing. 
um, because he was uh, invisible. And he was doing these, all he wanted to do, he, he descended into a whole series of flicks. He just didn't bother to take anybody on. And um, once again, as, 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 as Liam was saying, if, um, uh, if it's... If, if it's not the same setup, it's um, it's unlikely that somebody will pick one of his flicks up if it's not quite working in the same way. But I, I'm worried that he's he's getting fed up a bit like last year with being fouled mm. because um, he isn't protected in the slightest. Um, you can almost see some of the the, uh, the referees almost feeling, you know, man's game and you're not up to it when he gets clattered again and falls yeah. over or you're trying it on when he, he's so skillful when he takes people on, he just gets done. You know, my, my big thing about the Burnley game, as I said last week was they, they, they spread all the bookings around so that, you know, one person clatters him and gets a yellow, another person clatters him and gets a yellow, another person clatters him and gets a yellow because they're doing it absolutely methodically and deliberately. Um, and, and, and he, 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 he's, I'm sure he's affected by it. But he didn't take anybody on, and all he did was first-time passes, and he just disappeared. You know, JK, that's a brilliant uh, analysis of it, I think, and and I, and I agree with you. And we've said it on this show time and time and time again that uh, you know if he gets kicked out of the game, and 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 I, I agree with you about the Burnley. We did that to death last week, but I think that they were very Leeds-like in the way that they singled him out for treatment yeah. and, and yeah. but but did, but spread it around so that they didn't get properly punished for it. But I think I wonder, Dan, I mean, you know, we, another thing that we've talked on the show, I mean, I, I love the little Belgium to pieces. I mean, he, he is potentially potentially the best player that Chelsea's ever had. I mean, you know, even better than Zola in some respects. But, you know, if he gets kicked, he can disappear. And I, and I yeah. just wonder... And I mean, this is something that we've discussed again on the show, you know, is he world class or not? And for me, a world class player like the Messi's, like the Ronaldo's, for example, they impose themselves on games and they have at the end of the day, they have a ruthless killer streak, uh, mm-hmm. almost an arrogance, if you like. But they're mentally very strong. And I wonder if this is Eden's Achilles heel, no pun intended, because he gets kicked enough. Um, but I mean, you, you, does it worry you a bit? Well, I think I think Dan Levine's alluded to the fact that as good as he is, he he maybe just isn't going to be the top top player because mentally he's he comes into training, wants to come to his family, which is a great thing, totally family orientated. Maybe he hasn't quite got that that edge to, to really be in the same league as as, as Messi and Ronaldo because there's absolutely no doubting his talent. But he's he's not a nasty player. Sometimes you need to be a little bit nasty, a little bit selfish, a little bit ruthless. But then then conversely, our our expectations of him too much. I mean, is it, is it almost like a FIFA mentality that is Eden Hazard that every game is going to beat six men and score a goal? You know, players have bad bad days, yeah. good days. I remember games when Zola was anonymous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he'd do nothing for a whole match. Remember when he, whenever, I mean, it used to do my nut in that, that, that Zola would get picked to go and play against Arsenal in the days of Vieira and Petit and some real, you know, assassins. Believe. And he'd just, get, he'd, he'd just get physically pushed pushed away all the time. And he was always ineffectual yeah. against Arsenal and, it, and I, it is a similar thing isn't it yeah I just think we just expect too much I mean yes Hazard could definitely give us more but us as fans when he scores wonder goals like the one against Arsenal and then is anonymous for the next game it's frustrating but maybe our expectations are, are too much that players will have off days if you're mentally not strong enough you get kicked it's going to affect you you know yeah. Messi, Messi has days where he's he couldn't hit you know, a cow's arse with a barn door well he, he was rubbish much. again 
Yeah, he was rubbish against PSG, for example, last week. But the reality with Messi yeah. is, is that you know he has, you know, incredibly good games ninety five percent of the time. So yeah. There's a level of consistency there, isn't there? I mean, Liam, you know, what, what, what oh, do you sorry. say about? Sorry, no, go on, Dan. You want to want to finish your point? No, I was just gonna, I was gonna say because you know, has probably come to point now where Messi really came to, to the forefront because you know, I remember Messi when um, Del Horno got sent off um, several years ago. Stamford Bridge, he was he was not the player he was, and suddenly 25, 26, he's really stepped up to the next level. Maybe Hazard will be doing that over, you know, if he stays over the next you know few years. He's still only relatively young by you know, by player standards. Yeah, I mean, that's very true. I mean, as I, said, I don't want to sound like I'm digging him out. I, I absolutely love the guy, but I think Dan's got a really good point there, Liam, about expectations mm. and, you know, our desire to see him be as brilliant as he can be. But, I mean, do you think the points that we made about yeah. his mentality and, and being kicked off the ball and, and the whole world-class issue are relevant? I certainly think that the, the, the mental issue is relevant. Um, I think a lot of people have talked about that over the years. I I remember when Mourinho was in charge saying that he'd spoken to Hazard's dad, um, who was basically encouraging Mourinho to, to try and get his son to be more ruthless on the pitch because he, he has the talent to do so much. That's where the expectations come in. He's got the talent to take over any game he wants, but he doesn't quite have that. Um, he, he does sometimes have the killer instinct because he's won a lot of big games for Chelsea, more than maybe some people would realise, particularly the last time they won the title. But um, he doesn't always do it. He's not, he's not the Ronaldo or Messi. He doesn't have that mindset every time he goes out onto the pitch. And I think sometimes when he scores one goal or gets one assist, he can be satisfied with that. Whereas the, the kind of all-time great players that we're talking about, you know, they're never, ever satisfied. They always want one more. But I think the, the physical element, I don't think it's true that when Hazard gets a couple of kicks, he, does, he doesn't really fancy it I mean he's he's insisted in in the last couple of weeks I don't know if you remember the quotes that I enjoy getting kicked um it gets me into the game and uh, I thought that was quite interesting to read of course it might just be posturing but I think the physical side to the kicking is just that he he's got he's carrying knocks I think if you get so many kicks on the ankle and the calf um, I think it slows you down a little bit, and and he he has he has looked at less than one hundred percent physically in the last few weeks. Still managed to score that amazing goal against Arsenal, but let's not forget he took a, you know, putting him on his backside. So he he does take more punishment than most players in the league, and I don't, I don't think that affects his attitude, but I do think it affects his body. Mm. Okay, well, fair, fair point there, Liam. Um, right, just going to move this on, J.K. Because I, I mean, I had a fascinating chat with Kerry. Um, about you know when we previewed the match and uh, you know Kerry, I, it's incre- it's actually very interesting because I mean he he's very much like us in that respect. I mean you know he's not a, he's about the same age as me actually, and he loves the FA Cup like like uh, certainly our generation seem to absolutely love it. Of course, many of us ended up supporting Chelsea because they won it in seventy. But Kerry, Kerry, I mean, I, I, I made a point to him. I said, I wonder if, if, if you know, because of the, we were, I think it was really we were talking about uh, picking up on on what Conte and Mourinho were saying about uh, you know foreign managers. A lot of them maybe just don't get it uh, the FA Cup over here because there is nothing quite like that uh, you know everywhere else in the world. And I and I was I was wondering if 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 that translated to foreign players and whether they really understood what's at stake and and how much it means to us lot and. Kerry was pretty pretty definitive about it. He 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 definitely thought that foreign players just don't get it like like the English players do. Um, what do you? I mean, you know, is there a sense of that for you, Jonathan? 
I'm, I'm not really aware that this was the case now, actually. I think if a new player came in, surely they might need to be educated. But the, uh, the, the, the fervour of the, of the away fans all the time must surely give a message to the players that it means something. And, uh, and the hype on television, uh, the BBC in particular, actually BT did it as well, they so hype it up yeah, and they're so um, completely over the top about the significance of it. Um, even when there's nobody in the in the crowd, because um, I, you know, I think I think Burnley was an example of that. There was hardly anybody there watching it, so obviously some fans don't get it, but uh, um, aren't as enthusiastic. But the television companies certainly are. So I think I think the players should be um, available, uh, aware of it. I just think perhaps it it might be the impression they get they get the impression that it doesn't have big status because um, the Premier League teams always rotate. So perhaps that's a Perhaps that that gives them a false sense of what it's about. You know, what would you if the opportunity to play if you're not in the first team is oh here comes the FA Cup. Perhaps you don't take it as seriously. Um, you know, if he was playing the top team every the top the our best team every time, well perhaps they would appreciate how all the teams did that in the Premier League. Perhaps everybody would then really appreciate how important it was. Perhaps it subconsciously gives them a feeling that it's not a top competition because they don't tend to play the play the full the full team every time you know the reason that Leicester went out was because he, he made six changes because they're in the Champions League this week but everybody went on as if it was absolutely desperate that it because hey Leicester Leicester, Leicester fail again well the reality was he didn't play the first team and very few teams play the first team so I wonder whether that subconsciously is translated to the to the players to the foreign players in particular but uh, as I say the uh the BBC, BBC and BT just go completely over the top about it. You'd think, you know, this this amazing, the reason that, that Lincoln have got to the uh, um, the first non-league club in 103 years has got to the, the quarterfinals. You'd think that this was the most amazing thing ever in the history of the FA Cup, which I, I suppose it is to an extent because it's 103 years. But the reason they've got there is because they played against oppositions that were all the reserves. So yeah. I think I think yes, it has been it is devalued. And I think the FA Cup, regardless of what they try to do, is definitely devalued. And and whether it doesn't seem to matter to me what the manager says to the players, if he if he makes six or seven or eight changes, um they're gonna think it's a minor competition. I'm sorry, that's just the way it's gonna be. Mm. Uh, do you know what, JK? I think that's absolutely spot on and it's something I hadn't considered, Liam. I mean I, I would agree entirely with that and I think I think the point really is is that you know even with even with with Conte I mean he's he's rested a, a lot of our key players and of course if if you know they're doing that subconsciously the players are going to think well it can't be that important because I'm I'm really key to this team and I'm not playing no matter how much you say that's not true it is going to seep into them isn't it Yeah absolutely I mean the clubs don't make the FA Cup a priority anymore um even outside the the top six in the Premier League, none of the clubs make it a priority. So it makes sense that the the, the players might not have that that same edge that they would for Premier League or Champions League games. It seems like an interesting one, particularly for the top clubs now in the FA Cup, where you have a choice of putting in reserves who may be low on confidence, low on fitness, and certainly low on chemistry with each other, or you put in your regular starters who might be slightly physically mm. jaded and certainly maybe a little bit more complacent because um, they're used to games that in their minds matter more. It's, it's quite a difficult one to solve, I think, for top clubs. But Conte seems to have found a really good um, balance so far this year. They made nine changes, nine changes, and then seven 
at the weekend and and you know with the exception of the first sort of half an hour on Saturday the performances haven't seemed to have suffered too much mm, that's a very interesting point it, it'll uh, be Dan, also interesting sorry just to leap in they'll be interesting to see what he does for United well we will he, you know. and we'll, we'll, make, we'll, we'll pick that up JK because yeah, that's, yeah. that's definitely on the agenda and that's a really good point I mean Dan just just kind of sum it up and finish it off I mean would, would you agree with what Jonathan myself and, yeah. and Liam were saying yeah they both absolutely hit the nail on the head and also just in terms of prize money I think coming you know fourth from Boston in the Premier League is worth sort of 60 or 70 million pounds more than winning the FA Cup mm. and, and also just going back to the the, um, the the foreign players in most European countries the, their FA Cup is very, very significant. It never has been a big deal. You know, the Spanish Cup, the Italian Cup, they don't really treat it in the same, you know, honours as we have done. It's never been such a big deal, such a tradition. So they, they're coming to a country where the FA Cup's not a big deal and they're kind of feeling that now in the UK that the FA Cup is no longer, you know, has the magic that it does. That's why there was such a huge fuss about Lincoln, trying to, you know, get the old magic back in the FA Cup. Mm, that's very interesting. I mean, I have to say, Dan, just to pick up on something you said there, that... You know, if if it's all become about how much money you can make out of it, and if the FA Cup doesn't register, I think that is a very, very, very sad day for football. And on that depressing point, um, we're going to move on because after the break, we are going to rename Pedro Pedro Osgood as the uh, young Eli Wallach lookalike kept the uh, kept up his record of scoring in every round of the cup. Of course, Peter Osgood very famously did that uh, when we won the cup in '70, and I don't think anybody's ever ever equaled it actually. But anyway. Let's hope uh, that Pedro can repeat the great Peter Osgood's feat. And, of course, we're going to ask, can the Chelsea do the double again? We'll see you in a sec. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Okay, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge and you're listening, of course, to the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, bedeviled by technical problems tonight, but uh, such is life. Um, we will manfully struggle on. Now, um, before the break, um, you know, I, 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 in fact, I, I was very tempted to, to call the show... Uh, Pedro Osgood, but I, I I didn't because I didn't want to like miscommunicate it and offend uh, massive Aussie fans of whom I am one, and I also felt that the you know the wolf analogy was far far too good to resist, so that's why I did. But there there is there is a there is a reality to this, and actually before we go on, we we should also say that of course it it was it, it's Aussie's birthday today, so Peter Osgood would have been seventy today. How about that? Yeah, um, yeah, indeed. Now the first thing I want to pick up on J.K. is something that you mentioned actually, and. I think uh, before we talk about the fantastic goal that he scored and uh, his impending uh, record-breaking attempt, he is clearly not a wing-back, is he? No, God. No, he... he uh, how can we put it uh, subtly? He underperformed at wing-back. And uh, we missed him flitting about, um, uh, attacking and displaying his, uh, his, uh, his winger's skill. Um, uh, as Well, he, he gave the ball away in the first few minutes, didn't he? And for when they hit the post. And... Uh, didn't impress at any stage when he was playing in that position. So I think we can safely say that that is not the position for him. And it it also made you realise how good Alonso is. And uh, and Moses at the same time was um, strangely subdued as well. So uh, uh, this is particularly in the first half hour. So it was uh, um, it it it, uh, it didn't lead to great performances. But no, no, he 
his defending, um, I think his ability in the tackle actually is really one of the problems. Um, he appears to track back, but uh, um, he's not a great blocker either. He's not a, he's not a defender, full stop. That's it. Mm. Um, so he's he's been found out essentially. Uh, but but to what I have to say, what a an, an, a completely brilliant goal. You know, you just go, oh wow. Um, and where we were when the ball was crossed for him, we, I didn't even see him ghosting in. I thought, who's who's the ball been crossed to? And then it was in the back of the net. And you thought, yeah, of course, he's, it's him. He's done a fantastic run. So, JK, you know. they, yeah. they picked they pick that up on, on, on Match of the Day, actually, and, and, and they analysed that brilliantly. So they, they took it right back from where he won the ball back. At his, I mean, having said he's not a good wing back, it seems a bit disingenuous to, to, to praise the Yeah, because he won it. Yeah, it's true. He yeah. did. He, he won it. Yeah. And then he... he, yeah. he Put a really nice ball into the middle, and then he, he they tracked his run, and yeah. he started off quite slowly, and then he saw the space, and he and he and he stealthily ran towards it, and then pelted for the last kind of ten yards to get on the end of that. But I it mean, was the I, so was it the William cross? Was it William's yeah, cross? Yeah, Because yeah. it was from where we were, it was just floated, and we all together, all of us went, "What? What's that? What's that?" They realised that there he yeah. was. And it was a and goal. It was a good header too. It was a it really was, good header. He, he is a good header of the ball. He, he scored a goal the header the other day, didn't he? In the um, uh, that looping header he scored um, in the four. What did we win when we won four, four one? Um, uh, no, I can't remember one of the games. Brent, anyway, Brentford you know, we won four 0 wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was. But he was, you know, he's 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 a, he's a great attacker. And he's one of my favourite players this year. I think he's been. Um, he's been phenomenal. So well, that's uh, a, that's a really uh, that's a really interesting point. I, I, I shall share this with all of you because I know before people say on oh, Mixler, as I'm, I'm sure those with a good memory, it's usually Gary Gary Wilson who will who will dig me out here. But uh, I was none too flattering about Pedro last season. And the funny thing was, just as I was about to go to bed last night, I got a WhatsApp from my great mate Michael Roban, uh, who big Chelsea fan, been on the show, lives in LA, yada yada yada. And and he was basically digging me out about, about how great Pedro has been and how wrong I was and. I mean, I hold my hand up. I mean, I didn't think he was very good last season, but then he wasn't alone. But he has been brilliant this season, hasn't he, Liam? Yeah, he's been absolutely superb. Um, when he first signed last, last summer, I thought he was a brilliant, brilliant signing. Um, but he's a he's a system star. He's not he's not a player that's going to dig you out of a hole on his own um, if the if the team isn't working. This season, they've got the perfect role for him. I don't think that perfect role is wing back, um, as, as we saw. But uh, he's he's much better when he's sprinting forwards, leading the press rather than sprinting backwards, tracking runners. Mm. Um, but he's he, he and Diego Costa, I think, are two of the best players at attacking space. Yeah, it, certainly in the Premier League and maybe in in the whole of European football. Um, wow. he, he's brilliant when he recognises those opportunities. It's what made him so valuable at Barcelona. And uh, and now we're seeing we're finally seeing the Barcelona Pedro at Chelsea. I think he's probably the best finisher Chelsea have after yeah. after Costa as well. He's so so ruthless. Yeah, Liam, I'm so glad you said that actually because I, mean, I I was thinking much the same actually. And I've you know I've often often uh, thought about this when when you see see the game. And I mean at the moment it seems to be a, a toss up between him and William who starts, but I think that anywhere really across that kind of, you know, that three behind Costa, he, he can he can do some damage. And, and as you said, he doesn't half attack space when I think he's got a great eye for goal and he's a decent finisher. But Dan, talking of finishing, I mean, you know, you and I grew up, uh, we all grew up really with le- tales of the legendary 1970 Cup season. I was sadly, I was a little bit too young to go. I know Jonathan was, maybe we'll get him back on this in a sec. But of course, that's when Peter Osgood scored in every round of the Cup. 
Uh, the I, I, now forgive me if I'm wrong. I, I, I think he's still the only player to have ever done that, isn't he, Dan? Yeah, I don't think anyone's achieved. I think someone came close but missed out in the semis. But he's a, it's, it's a unique, unique experience. I mean, my dad bought me um, the cup final videos many Christmases ago. I remember just watching Kenneth Walson home going through the entire game. So it's got some, it's got some great memories. But, but digressing, so you get to ask me a question. Well, no, I was just going to say, oh. I mean, do, do you think he might be able to do it? I mean, obviously, the, the, the prerequisite is that we keep, you know, we go all the way and we, um, well, I mean, we don't have to win the cup because he can still score in the final, even if we don't. But, um, you know, wouldn't it be lovely to see, in a sense, although I, half of me really would love Peter Osgood to, to remain the only person to have done that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it'd be, this would be a fantastic achievement for him to do it. Um, and he's got no reason why not if we beat United, I fancy us to go, you know, all the way. And to, you know, for a player like Pedro to be held in the same kind of aura as Peter Osgood would be fantastic for Pedro. I mean, it'll always be Aussie first, you know, Pedro second. And if, if it means we win the cup, then it's it's it's, it's not a bonus. And if we're Arsenal fans, we claim that's a trophy as well. That's another <laughs> that's matter. True. We'll get to the semi-finals enough for them. Isn't it? JK, you're the only one really qualified to talk about because you. I, I mean, how many of those games did you see when Aussie uh, set up that record? Um. God, I can't remember, Chich. Watford, I saw. Um, that was the semi-final, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the other games. Um, uh, if anywhere at home, I'd have been there. Yeah. Um, uh, if ever, ever midweek, um, it, it was it was tricky because of school, obviously. But um, what the thing I remember about Osgood was that because because I was watching um, as a kid. And Chelsea were quite good. I think it's almost like watching Chelsea now. Um, is you you don't appreciate how wonderful they are because you're looking at them being excellent all the time. So you take it for granted. And it's when they when the team don't play well, uh, which was subsequently to all of them being sold, you then begin to appreciate what a wonderful player he was. And particularly um, when you see footage of it, and it reminds me, and you go, bloody hell, that was a great goal. Oh, he's a great player. But at the time, you're just used to it. You think, oh, there's Osgood scoring. Yeah, he should be playing for England. My big thing all the time was, why wasn't he playing for England? Because he was such such a great, obviously, head and shoulders above so many other people. But that was an era where I think um, Chelsea were tainted with were being this, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the celebrity club. And they weren't quite taken as seriously. There was a kind of jealousy as well with the King's Road. You know, they're not there. They're all a bit... Um, um, they're soft southerners, you know. It's 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 roundheads versus cavaliers. Yeah, right? very much so, very much so. Um, so you'd see Osgood perform wonderfully, uh, and yet, in, and then they'd pick a journeyman for the England side because um, uh, all the Leeds players got you know in, instant. Um, you know, Alan Clark played for England at the time. I remember thinking, well, you know, Osgood's streets ahead of him, but it was it's because. You know, they're obviously they're in a team that was being slightly more successful than Chelsea from a league point of view. But um, you only have to see some of the compilations. Luckily, they've, they've they, some of the stuff's been wiped because that would seem to be the policy at the time, as you wipe the videos because it was cheaper to record on top of them. But obviously, they've kept some of the goals from the big match in that era, and he scored cracking goals. You just look at him and think, ah, oh, he's a great player. And even now, you can see him score. You know, nipping the ball in at angles, volleying the ball in the the Arsenal volley. It isn't, it's not an example of one of the great goals. It seems to come up a lot when he just volleys it in from the edge of the area. But I remember, I'm a, I remember being there and watching that. You know, I was in the old West Stand at the time. Um, 
and it, and you think, yeah, it's a good goal, but I've, he scored better. And indeed, <laughs> it's um, some fantastic, he scored angled, got, just chipped in, flicked in, towed in. Um, um, and he was a, he was a big, powerful bloke as well. He was six foot two, wasn't he? So you're not, you know, he wasn't a, a shrinking violet. And he was accused of being lazy a lot. But you just think, actually, no, he, he was just he was always in there and he'd always duff people up. That was the other thing as well, because all the all the all the. Uh, the, the run-ins he had with Jack Charlton, he never ever sat back on it. He'd always go in with him. You just have to look at the the video of the FA the FA Cup final replays to see him. You know they they practically have a scrap, and neither of them gets booked. You know, mind you, the the referee is miles away. So and the linesmen are always been told not to say anything by the referee. So you're not surprised that they know he practically missed it. But no, he was it was um a, a, he's clearly a completely wonderful player. Um, but as I say, at the time, I took it for granted. Oh, those odds could have been wonderful. And it's only yeah. afterwards you then go, oh, my God, he was wonderful. I didn't I didn't watch him enough. Oh, God, what's the matter with me? But that's well, you almost you accept it. You know, you accept your the team were, were, were fantastic at the time, you know. So. Well, you know what, mate? That's a, I mean, thank you, Jonathan. I'm, I'm almost, I, I feel like breaking out spontaneous applause. It was just lovely to hear those reminiscences of Aussie because I never got the chance to see him play for Chelsea. Um, yeah, no, I'm, no I'm, 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 I'm a bit blessed, actually, Chidge. The, yeah. the, older I get, the older I get, the more that I appreciate uh, what a fantastic player, he, or some of the great players we've seen. You know, I'm a big fan of Hullet. And I'm so pleased I saw him play for Chelsea as well. Uh, and, and also, I'm actually I'm becoming to appreciate Viali much more as well. God, yeah. he scored some he scored some cracking goals. Bloody hell! And yeah. uh, uh, you know, it was only a brief period, really, a couple of seasons. But uh, you know, I, he was before he managed. But it's that thing of just being older. You think, and it's not rose-coloured specs. You're not going, yeah, they were great, weren't they? What a great era! You can actually see the video evidence of it as well, which I, I love as well. Mm. Um, but no, no, I'm, it's, it's, he was a fabulous player, Oscar, fabulous. But he was surrounded some pretty good players. Hudson was superb as well, God. And and Hollins was at his, at, in his pomp as well. They were just a very good side at the time. They were, weren't they? I mean, it, I tell you what, mate, what, what it also is, it's a salutary reminder for all of us watching today is to, you know, and, I, I, and I, in a sense, I, 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 I don't think this is an issue, but to understand how privileged we've been to see the likes of John Terry and Frank Lampard and Didier Drogba. But anyway, I'm going to move also, this also, on. Also, can I just say, Chid, and, and uh, Carvalho is an example of somebody. I think he looks a bit like you do actually, in, in, in fact, your younger he, days. He also, he's also a bit like um, uh, Tim McInerney as well. In, he is. Uh, I've, met, I've met Tim McInerney. Yeah. He's yeah, a very I'm, nice guy. Yeah, he's, he's, he, I, I was in the National Youth Theatre with him. So oh, he's, there we go. Uh, we, we need yeah. to move it on, old Bean. Yeah, sorry, I've, I've been a bit. I've been off. No, 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 bit, because it was a real. I tell you, Jonathan, it was you're, you're on fire tonight, generally. But that was a real pleasure to hear those uh, reminiscences on Aussie and uh, happy birthday to Peter Osgood up wherever you are. Um, now, as I said, I'm going to move it on. I just wanted to pick up on a couple of things actually, which uh, I'll, I'll kick off with Liam on this one. But I mean, for me, I think the game fundamentally changed. Uh, a, as I think we alluded to in part one, that Wolves, you know, they basically ran out of legs in the second half. But of course, we also uh, brought Aspie and Kante on, which absolutely sorted out the, uh, the, the you know, the, the, the side that Wolves are making many of their attacks down. But also, um, what, what it, and it was, it, I mean, basically Costa was there, Helga Costa was, was Wolves' main threat, I think. But I, the thing that occurred to me, Liam, was that what does that say about some of the fringe players? Or is this, was this just an issue about Pedro not being a very good wing back? Um, of course, he was on a yellow card as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think that was a big part of it in the moment. I think there's, an, I think there's probably an element of both. Um, I've had a feeling for quite a long time that there isn't a huge amount of depth to this Chelsea team as it's currently constructed. Um, 
And, you know, we haven't had much chance to see that because they haven't had to play that many games and, and Conte has picked more or less the same 13, 14 players all season. But, uh, yeah, I think it's just, there's certainly a lack of depth, but it's also a mark of just how bloody good N'Golo Kante and uh, yeah. Cesar Azpilicueta are. Um, Kante, we know how how incredible he is on a, on a week-to-week basis. And there is no... You know, there is no replicating him in that system. Chalaber, I think, is a fine young player and I think he, he, he should have a good career. Um, but it, it, it would be unfair to compare him or anyone else to what Kante does for that team um, on, a, on a weekly basis. As Pilaqueta, I think, is... I like to say he's, he, he's sort of becoming Chelsea's equivalent of Dennis Irwin, I think. Um, just the, the really reliable... Sort of understated, or Paolo Ferreira, perhaps. Well, yes. oh, he's better than Ferreira. <laughs> I think. I, I know, I know, I know. But he, he, I mean, the point I'm making, Liam, is that you know, and J.K. is that um, you know, Mourinho loved Paolo Ferreira because he said he, he's he's very rarely a ten, nine, or eight player, but he's always a seven and never ever lower. And I think what he was really saying was that he's he, he his quiet efficiency and consistency was vital to that particular team. And I think, you know. Aspie for me is the great unsung hero of that of this current Chelsea side yes. because he always puts in a fantastically consistent performance. He'll play anywhere. He'll do anything for the team, and I love the little guy. I really do. Yeah, well, that's the and that's the thing. He does it in so many more positions than than, than Ferreira yeah, did. I think yeah. you could probably put him at the uh, the base of midfield, and he'd do a, a serviceable job. He's a he's probably a dark horse to be um, the next Chelsea captain once wow. Terry. I think he's certainly in the conversation, given how many years he's put in now and 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 the respect he has within that squad. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean they're, they're they're both just really good, and I think if Chelsea have to be without either of them for a significant period of time, they they will miss them because yeah. any. Definitely. I mean, one thing I would say, of course, is that the the one thing that Paolo Ferreira has on anybody is that he's got the best hair ever seen in football. But anyway, <laughs> we should we should move on, Dan. Um, very delighted again. Something I picked up with on uh, on, on Ker- uh, with Kerry last week about Costa and his supposed gold drought, and Kerry was brilliantly insightful uh, in in explaining what the mentality of a, of a of a top striker who is used to scoring all the, all of the time. And if you're a certain type of striker, then as long as you're getting in the right area and you're keeping having a go, you're you're basically bare fruit. And of course, that's what happened. And he, you know, he, I mean, he had a few chances, but he, he I thought he put that goal away brilliantly. But I think the thing is, I mean, it's interesting actually because Begovic uh, was interviewed after the game about how important that goal was for Costa to get, and also, of course, uh, Conte chose to pick him in order to help him, you know, score again because because I mean, he's vital for us, isn't he, in his goal scoring form. Everything about him is vital. He's the energy he brings up front, the aggressiveness he brings to our attack, and it's, it's, it's a mark of Conte's management skills. He he keeps him in the team because he knows he needs to get a goal, and a very instinctive finish. He came to him, didn't have any time to react. Bang, back of the net, two 0 And if he goes on a run of sort of you know ten goals in the next twelve games, will be will be well on the way to the double. It was it was it was good to see. He played well. He's still got the aggression, but he's losing the histrionics, which again I think is down to Conte managing him really well because we don't see these reactions. There's a couple of fouls in the second half that he was caught late and rather getting up and going all nuts. He kind of carried on and got on with his game. So that they've taken out the, the stupid, stupid aspect of his game that was getting him bookings and runs in referees. And he's, he's looking the absolute you know, mustard at the moment as a striker yeah. for us. 
So, yeah, no, he, he is absolutely utterly vital and I think you're right there mate I think well played Conte for for picking him and 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 you know in in an attempt to try and you know get him off the mark again as it were which is really good all right I'm just gonna I'm gonna move it on again um we kind of did the respect for the cup really in part one so I'm going to go straight on to the fact that of course by winning this uh you know we're now in the quarter final of the cup we're we're close enough to smell Wembley um, but the interesting thing is, because, you know, obviously, if we win the league and we win the cup, we'll win the double for the second time in our history. In fact, we will become the first team to do the league and cup double uh, since we did it in 2010. And of course, thereby only the second club in history to achieve it at least twice after Man United and Arsenal, JK. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, yes. Yes, it would. Uh, it would please me. I think we'll do it again over the next few years, you know, if we keep Conti and we... Uh... Mm. Um, and we, you know, I, 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 who knows what he'll do with the team? Um, uh, I think he'll be given, uh, he'll be given all power to do what he wants. So I, I reckon that this, this will be, um, um, this will be the norm over the next few years. I think we might be affected by going to Wembley. That might be difficult for us to maintain. Um, it might have an effect upon us. It'd be interesting to see what effect it has on Spurs. Uh, but um, yeah, oh, no, of, course, of course, Spurs yeah. aren't used to playing there like we are. No, that's probably true. Chich, yes, yeah. But no, it would be uh, it would be lovely. I, I'm, and it, it, I'm, I can't wait for the day that um, Liverpool fans stop singing that stupid song about not having any history. It just is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how many many more um, trophies we we get over the years, and and uh, you know, it would be nice to win the Champions League with this setup as well. But I think. I think, as Liam stated, I don't think we're as uh, strong a, um, uh, a club as we need to be uh, depth-wise from the players. Well, from a player's point of view, we need to be. We need to have a stronger squad to uh, function all these other on all these other levels. Um, so I expect some uh, some some big transfers in the summer. Mm, well, we shall see. I mean, it would be very, very. I think very nice, but also. Um... You know, probably the nicest uh, manager we had uh, since was, Roman was, yeah. Roman took over was Ancelotti, and I and I think yeah. that Conte's fast uh, a man made of the same kind of stuff. Actually, and of course, their backgrounds are incredibly similar. You know, very successful with both uh, their Italian clubs and uh, and the Italian national side, uh, and I think they are cut from the same cloth. And he's very nice. I mean, I, I picked up a lovely quote, Liam. Uh, over the weekend, by uh, uh, I think he, I think he's a BBC reporter called Adam Summerton, and, and and this really stuck out for me. And if anybody's nailed what's been going on under Conte since we've had him, this statement does it. And he says, an undoubted authority and cohesiveness about Chelsea that is very reminiscent of Conte's Juve in Syria A achieved remarkably quickly. Yeah, I think that's a very that's a very good description of what's happened. Um, Obviously, I'm not quite as familiar with with what he did at Juventus, but I know that um, you know he, he he pulled everyone together there and, and was successful very quickly. But they, you know, there's there's always a temptation to look at that when he comes to the Premier League and think, well, of course he'd be successful at Juventus. That's the club that he's got the connection with. You know, he's he, he's part of the furniture there. He didn't even speak very good English when he first arrived in in England, and he certainly had no connection to Chelsea. So. To be able to do that at a club where, you know, he's sort of coming in a little bit blind. I know he spoke to other Italian managers, but to come into a new league and a new club, particularly a club that was so riven with uh, political problems last year, 
um, palpable discord and, and all of that uh, to, to bring everyone together on and off the pitch while making big decisions on Terry for a long period of time. And it's not even a story now. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I remember being startled a couple of months ago when it wasn't mentioned in a press conference for the yeah. first time, you know, it, it just wasn't an issue anymore. He's, he's navigated these potential trouble spots really, um, really deftly. He's done all the, all the right things behind the scenes as well. He's, you know, he's reached out to the media. He's reached out to the, to, to the non-playing staff around the club. He's made sure everyone feels valued and, and likes him. And it doesn't seem like he's, you know, it's a, it's a persona that he's created. It just seems like he's going on his natural instincts. This is the way he wants to act and portray himself. And, uh, you know, he's, he's getting his rewards on the pitch. Mm, that's absolutely spot on, mate. I mean, Dan, I mean, you know, I, I think it's very interesting, actually. Our good friend, he who must not be named, a.k.a. the uh, leader of the CFC UK fanzine, uh, I, I think he's absolutely falling in love with this guy and, and, and I think he already thinks that he could become Chelsea's greatest ever manager. Uh, winning the double would certainly go some way to doing that. But, of course, the, the other side of that, that that worries me is that Ancelotti, you know, got the can after getting the double. Uh, and and really, you know, it, it's about success in Europe again, isn't it? Um, so yeah. I, I, I'm, I, there are there are always worries at the back of my head, but I, I think I think I just love Conte, mate. I have to say, oh. he's, what he's doing is fantastic. It, it is brilliant. I mean, he's such a classy individual, as, as Liam was saying. He's the way he deals with the press and the, the way the whole. I mean, picking up on the John Terry situation, he, he came out, you know, down the back end of the last season. But no, not what's going on. And he's marginalised John Terry so brilliantly that no one's really kicking up a stink. I think it's fantastic. As long as the club don't shit the bed, if we have a, an average season, then I think we, we've got a manager that will have a fantastic legacy, will become our greatest ever manager. And who knows? I mean, he's, he, there's so much to like about him. There's nothing to dislike about him. He keeps his, you know, if he's got a problem with the players, like with Costa, he keeps it in the dressing room. He doesn't do like certain managers do, you know, you know, haul him over the coals in public. He, just, I think, he's a real footballer's manager. If that makes sense. You know, people yeah. want, to, want to play with him because a, he's been brilliant at the top level, and b, you've seen what it's like as a manager. So he's going to be somebody players want to play for. Yeah, it's a really good point. Actually, talking of JT, mate. Um, bizarrely enough, I, I heard this on Talksport this afternoon uh, from Andy Jacobs, no less. But uh, he was saying that 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 JT stats uh, in terms of interceptions and tackles and stuff against Wolves were the best on any side. Oh, and I mean, the, 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 the bottom line is, we, you know, as, and I've said this many, many times, John Terry never had pace. He's never, ever had pace. But what he does is he reads the game better than so many, well, probably better than any defender in the game in the last 10, 15 years. And that performance uh, proved it. So, you know, John Terry, whilst I think you're right, he's getting, you know, this will be his last season for Chelsea, I'm sure. He still has a contribution to make, doesn't he? Well, that's what... And Conte's alluded to as well, not not just you know on the pitch, off the pitch. He's, yeah, definitely. He's, he's, that, he's was a what, that was what Bobby Moore was very good at as well. Actually, was his reading of the game. He wasn't wonderfully paced as well, and it uh, it served him well. Yeah, quite. Yeah, All right, listen, we we need to we need to whiz on to part three. Um, but before we do, it's my time for the usual uh, the usual plug for uh, for Mr. Kerry Dixon, the Kerry Dixon Show, of course, which I record every usually every Thursday with Kerry. 
so it'll be up either on the Thursday when you can download it via Acast, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other podcast catchers. Um, now this week, obviously, we'll be picking up on the uh, on the game against Wolves, and uh, we'll be looking ahead to Saturday's game against Swansea, where we get back on the league campaign trail. Only 13 games to go in the Premier League, uh, so every game we tick off hopefully takes us closer to the title. Um, and incidentally, Carrie's got. Uh, uh, the screenings, the premieres of his uh, the, the new film documentary about him made by the lovely uh, Chris Barnett, and I think the first one's on Friday, March the third, uh, and uh, then there's another one on the tenth and the seventeenth. If you haven't got a ticket already, I have a suspicion they may well have sold out. But if they haven't, uh, you might just want to check out midnightproductions.co.uk forward slash Footy Legends one hundred uh, to see if there are any spaces available. It sounds like it'd be a cracking do. He's going to have all sorts of uh, former Chelsea players and the like there. Um, and incidentally, Chris has promised a couple of signed DVDs uh, for us, which we can put into a competition when it's released in March, and you can win them. How lovely and exciting is that? Right, after the break, we're going to discuss the next round where we host Man United and a certain former manager. Will he park the bus, or will we spank his body again? Cheech! JK! In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have. Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jij? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Okay, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, now, we've uh, done the Wolves game to death, and of course, our opponents in the next round are, of course, Man United led by uh, a certain manager who used to uh, to to manage us i mean i think uh, 
the first thing uh, I'm going to talk about, really, I'm going to ask Jonathan this. Are you? Are you? What, what, what were your feelings about getting drawn Man United, mate? Well, I'd rather have drawn Lincoln or whoever, or whoever it's going to or be. Sutton, yeah. maybe. Or Sutton, maybe. Sutton, yeah, whatever. Mm. I'd rather have drawn them and uh, at home because I, I can't stand the. Uh, um, I suppose once again, it's these memories of childhood of drawing teams that were better than us, who then would, you know, we'd go out or um, it would be unbelievably tense. Um, uh, he's on a good run. Um, I think it's very. I think it's been difficult for him. You know, I, 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 I'm still a great fan of his um, because. Um, uh, it, it, you know, it's not been working the way he would like it to have been working. But he's 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 doing okay now, and uh, um, they're not playing the kind of football he particularly wants, and uh, they're not going to win the win the league. So, um, um, you know, it's a thing of being fond of him and uh, and wanting him to do okay, but uh, obviously not as not as well as us. And I don't know going on about how miserable he is, but. Uh, um, uh, you know, it, 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 I think it must have been unbelievably traumatic for him going through what he went through last year, and uh, and I think he's done. Uh, I think he's done pretty well accordingly. Um, so I'm I'm worried. Um, we should. I think we've lost at home against them twice out of fifth in the last fifteen times we've played them. So, uh, but it, you know, this just might be the third. You never know. But we should beat them. We should. I mean, for, for for what it's worth, mate, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, our record against United is astonishing. We've got one of the best records uh, against them from any other Premier League team, particularly at home. Uh, I mean, for, I, basically, I, I, I'm not unhappy about getting United because I, I, th- I think this will force Conte to, to, to really much, pretty much pick the first team. And I think the other thing is when you get to this stage of the cup, all you really want is a home draw. And we got a home draw, but I mean, yeah. Liam, I'll, I'll ask that to you. I mean, do you think it will make Conte pick the first team? Yeah, I think there's. Uh, I would be stunned if he picked anything other than his strongest eleven. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it would be foolish not to, in a way, because I, I mean, the, the, the other the other thing, of course, isn't it, chaps? I mean, you know, the, the United are likely to be playing uh, in the Europa League uh, on the Thursday before. So there's a chance that they might have quite a tough tie. And we know that I think Mourinho won't dismiss the Europa League because they're getting quite far in that competition. And that's another way into the Champions League. So that's a bit of a, a safety for him. So there's a very good chance that, uh, that, that, that he might therefore sacrifice the FA Cup or not give it a, a normal go. So, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the balance between Conte actually being forced to pick a decent team because it is Man United against them being at a slight disadvantage, Dan, hopefully will play into our hands. Yeah, I think, I think as, you, as I was into, he's got a Europa League Thursday and a Thursday afterwards. Depending how they're doing in a league between now and then, that could be their best chance of getting top four. Um, also, there's no replays, so it's going to be decided on the day. So that may stop him parking the bus because you know, he, he wouldn't want to have you know a possible long trip on Thursday, straight back on Sunday and then extra time. I, I, I think Reno's starting the my games, but I think we'll have enough um, in, in the tank to beat them. We wouldn't have had the two additional games, um, the rearranged game because of their uh, League Cup final. So I, th- I think we'll have enough to do it. It'll be a tight game. I don't think we'll do a 4-0. But I think we'll have, we'll have enough to go through. And yeah, he will definitely play strongest available team and no doubts I suppose the corollary the corollary not easy for me to say the corollary of that Jonathan is of course that um, you know a a wounded uh, a wounded Mourinho uh, might well park the bus at Chelsea particularly given that he got such a spanking uh, when they turned up in the league 
I don't know if they've done that at all this season. Have they parked the buses? Is he, are, they, are they capable of parking yeah, the buses? Yeah, Liverpool away. Would he, oh, it, what, he did that against Liverpool away, did he? Oh, probably, yeah. I mean, he got absolutely... Well, the Liverpool fans are having him. He literally went a very, very Mourinho performance, didn't want to lose, and got, got the point. I mean, it's, it's a different cup of tea because yeah, it's, it's a cup well, match. Perhaps he might want to do that just to either grab a goal or even get back to Old Trafford, but he won't want to go to a replay. There's it? no replays. But, it's because, got to be decided. Oh, it has to be now, does it? Yeah, they they, they abandoned replays. It's going to go a week extra time penalties. Oh God! Well, so, you know that's mucking around with the FA Cup, isn't it? Where have we, I been? We should have been? United. Have I missed that, Dan? Where have I been? Have I been hiding somewhere that I missed that? Bloody hell! I I, I, I tweeted something yesterday about it that Mourinho popped the bus and he said, "Oh, no, there's no replays. It's decided, obviously, because of the European football election season, not to have replays because the Europa League." It's pointing more and more, more and more to us winning it, then, isn't it? Really, if uh, if he if he can't um, expect a replay, and, he, and he's but he might just attempt to do it on uh, um, to break out and do it on the um, on the counter attack. But he's playing against uh, a team that are very good at doing that himself. So um, you know we're good at that. So uh, I think it'll be very interesting yeah. to see what they come up with tactically. But I think um, we're a better team than them. So yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, that, that's kind of my point, Jonathan. Is that you know we we will pick a strong team, and and because they demand that, you know, you you can't unless you want to go out, you 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 don't take a decent team like United and a decent manager like Mourinho lightly, and and I think that they are disadvantaged by having it sandwiched in between the. Uh, um, you know the Europa, Europa League. League, and in fact, you know Mourinho's already got his excuses in early by telling everybody who's prepared to listen that that exactly that point yesterday that they were in all these competitions. You know, uh, that's definitely getting his excuses in first. Um, whether we'll spank his body again, I have to be honest, Liam. I'm I'm not so sure. I think that this will be a much cagier and a much tighter affair. And I and I do actually think that Mourinho will try and part the bus. And uh, you know, I think I think Mourinho will be quite quite rightly very scared of coming down to Chelsea and playing us, knowing what we've been doing for the last two or three months. So I really do think he'll park the bus and try and try and hit us on the break, or maybe even get it to penalties. Well, it tends to be his go-to plan for big games, doesn't it? Um, I think he'll be utterly determined um, not to be humiliated in the in the manner that he was earlier in the season. And the the thing that he has in his favour is that. Manchester United seem to know who they are now as a team. Um, I don't think they did then. They certainly weren't fully bought into the way Mourinho wanted to play. Um, they're, you know, they're looking a little bit dangerous again. Zlatan Ibrahimovic keeps scoring goals, um, and I think he'll try and do something that he he did when they came to Stamford Bridge. The Valencia herring down the right wing a lot um, up against Alonso, putting in crosses to the back post. For where he was standing, Fellaini and Ibrahimovic on Aspilicueta. And it didn't work. They didn't get a goal, but they did get quite a few free headers. And then that was something you saw City exploit. And then, of course, Tottenham exploited uh, in the game that they beat Chelsea. So I think he'll try and, and Liverpool. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the one weak spot that I think people have been able to find in this 3 4 3 system so far. So. I think that will definitely be part of his plan, but I do I do agree. I think he'll he'll be defence first. He'll make sure he doesn't lose the game inside for thirty seconds, and then. Um, but I don't think he wants a replay. I think he'll he'll try and win the game. Well, there there won't be whatever happens because there oh, are yeah. no more. Yeah, there are no more replays. I mean, that's a very interesting counterpoint, Liam. I mean, given that we all know that we do have a vulnerability 
down the flank and for balls coming in uh, across, like like as evidenced certainly against Tottenham, of course. Um, one would think and one would hope that Conte is aware of this. So I wonder, I wonder what he might plan to do to uh, uh, to shore that up a bit. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting one. I think it's um, it's it's a it's a bit of a dilemma because as Pilaqueta is so good in every other aspect of the game in that position, and he's been so crucial to the success of that back three that maybe I'm sure Conte knows he's a he's a very smart tactical manager. He watches more film than just about anyone. I'm sure he knows that's a weakness, but maybe he just thinks that it's something that Chelsea have to make a trade off at the moment. They have to sacrifice something to be better in in normal play um to maybe be slightly weaker in this situation and then just try and stop united getting to those spots where they can put those crosses in well i mean the, the first thing is of course i think uh, yeah, i mean i'm no tactician i'm no i'm no football manager but uh, what i have noticed is that when we when we when we are pressed and we we sit a bit deeper it does leave us a bit open whereas when we're on the press Stopping them getting the ball higher up the pitch that that often helps. But uh, I have no doubt that uh, Signor Conte will have a solution, and and I do really think that he is going to pick a strong team. I think he wants to win this cup. I really do. You know, I think like like a lot of former players, they're very aware of their place in the game, and and he had a fantastic record at Juve. But as far as I'm aware, he didn't win their cup, um, and I think he's he'll probably be more than aware of what Ancelotti achieved. And as I said, as we said earlier on, but I, I personally think it'd be fantastic to see uh, uh, Conte, um, you know, replicate what Ancelotti achieved. Dan, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you start you start your Chelsea career the double, you know, coupled with the fans loving you, just the only way is up back in the Champions League, which is pretty much a given now. You know, objectives achieved, on, onwards and upwards. I, th- I think we'll have enough purely based on the fitness, the fact we haven't had European travel and hopefully they're away on the Thursday before we play them, which will obviously factor into the uh, you know, the, the team that Mourinho picks and who they play and then he can get his excuses already yeah. about teams playing one game a week, etc, etc, etc. Well, I just had a very interesting post on Mixler from Patrick Rocker. Uh, uh, isn't, haven't United got a player called Rocker? Yeah, he's so- centre-back. Yeah, that's another, it's not spelled yeah. a different way, so definitely no relation. But anyway, Patrick says, really didn't want to come up against Jose again if we didn't have to. I think he would rather chop his own gonads off than lose to us again. He will be determined to stick the two fingers up at Roman also. To which I would reply, Patrick, I'm pretty sure he would have been very determined to uh, rubbed our noses in it and Roman's in it and the players in it uh, back in October in it. Uh, and that, that worked out well for him, didn't it? Hmm... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Listen. God. Sorry, Dan. You were about to. No, I, gonna, I don't think this. You know, Jose's been and gone. Brilliant manager. Always will be fantastic. And you know, he's. It's almost not. It's all about the Conte now. I mean, it's an interesting thing about Mourinho. It's a good time to really kind of we 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 don't really talk about him much. You know, not not quite to the extent of he who yeah. must not be named. But I I, I think there's a wonderful analogy to be made about Mourinho, and and it's it's been made before, certainly from friends of ours on Twitter, but. Anyway, there's there's something very much about the uh you know ex-girlfriend or or ex-wife uh with uh, with our relationship with Mourinho I think. And, and and you know of course love is blind. So when when Mourinho was here and he was coating off everybody 
trying to mind game people out and psych them out and all the rest of it. We we all thought it was hilarious and isn't it wonderful? And of course it was Team Fortress Mourinho, Fortress Chelsea, and it was great. Now now I see him doing it somewhere else. I I I, I just think he looks like an absolute dick. And, mm. and now, now I'm beginning to understand why so many other supporters of, of clubs hated Mourinho and us when he wasn't uh, their manager because there's, there's something quite painful uh, and transparent watching him. But I never felt like that when he was our manager. I used to think, I th- I used to think it was great. I mean, Liam's had to deal with this, I, I suspect. Um, I'd be interested to hear what your perspective is, is on it. Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't have to uh, cover him too much at ESPN, but I did... You know, I did cover him a bit in his second spell, and uh, I, I think he's he's been slightly different ever since he came back to England. Anyway, um, including his second spell at Chelsea, I think there's not yeah. the same there's not the same playfulness to him uh, that there used to be. Uh, the you know the comments that he comes out with publicly and the games that he plays with his own players at times, I think they have a more nasty edge than they ever used to. Um, but I think he's, yeah, it's in, it's interesting. I think, you know, he, as soon as Chelsea brought him back, um, I think that was an admission that they didn't want to be liked. They wanted to win. The club wanted to win again. Um, and now I think there's maybe a realisation with Conte that the two don't have to be mutually exclusive. You know, when, when Ancelotti was in charge of Chelsea, I think they were... The, the image was being rehabilitated. I think the football they were playing and, and his persona off the pitch, I think people were starting to like Chelsea again and then then they brought Mourinho back. <laughs> OK, well, look, for the record, I don't care who likes us and who doesn't. I like to win. Um, but that's me. Um, anyway, uh, we should move on because I've got a few lengthy plugs to give out. And then, of course, in part four... Uh, we can. I mean, there are only a couple of emails, so there's plenty of room for discussion therein. So uh, rather than just whiz through them like we normally have to do, we can actually spend a bit of time on them. But of great import, uh, 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 Chelsea Supporters Trust. Uh, the next Supporters Trust special general meeting will be held at 5.30pm at the Lily Langtree Pub, which is uh, in Lily Road, very near West Brompton Tube. This Saturday, the 25th of February, after the Swansea City game, uh, now, as you're probably aware, uppermost in Chelsea supporters' minds at the moment, is the issue of the Stamford Bridge redevelopment, a move to the temporary stadium, and what, what role the Chelsea pitch owners will play in this. So, to that end, uh, we've invited Charles Rose, who, of course, we interviewed on the show a few weeks ago. Uh-oh, hang on, newsflash, Arsenal have scored. Arsenal have scored, yeah, I was about to announce that. Yeah, so that's that's game over then. Oh, well, never mind. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, we had Charles, uh, in- we interviewed Charles Rose, who's the chairman of the Chelsea Pitch Owners, uh, on the show recently, and he will be holding a Q&A session on issues relating to the CPO, its future, and the role that it will have with the club and the redevelopment going forward. Uh, now, uh, other other issues that we will be covering will include, of course, atmosphere, affiliation, supporter issues, and uh, our work with the community, uh, which very much goes along the uh, working group uh, lines that we have set up. Dan will be doing something on overseas uh, membership, won't you, Dan? Uh, no, because I won't be there. Oh, that's really so. I can I, so I've, I've I've published a formal agenda, and you're not even going to be there. Did tell you at the meeting? Did you? I, I clearly yeah. forgot that. Okay, Sorry, never mind. So we uh, well actually we, we, I've got the report you, I sent you anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, if you do send me that report, I will do it on your behalf. But for for those of uh, you who listen to the show from overseas, 
uh, what I will add is that Dan's kind of taken over that responsibility uh, at the trust. So he, he intends to get out and speak to you and look after you. And he has got a little report, which it sounds like I will be doing now. Anyway, um, what else can I say? What else can I say? Well, uh, obviously, as you well know, um, it's open only to uh, voting members. So if you're not a member or your membership has lapsed, you better bloody well sort it out and go and join it. It's only five quid to, uh, to, uh, to join up and it includes a free badge. Uh, and of course, the best way to do it is to go to the Chelsea Supporters Trust website, chelseasupporterstrust.com, and uh, there's a there's a join us page, which you can find. You can pay by credit card, debit card, or PayPal. PayPal's probably the easiest way to pay, but uh, you can do that. And if you can't attend the meeting in person, do not worry, because as always, the good old Chelsea, good ship Chelsea fancast will be broadcasting it live, and it's live, live. Mixler <laughs> live on Mixler. Live. So we'll be doing it. Doing our usual stint on Mixler, Wi-Fi dependent, uh, and of course we will then issue it as a podcast very soon afterwards. So uh, I commend it to you. Uh, also, by the way, if you're if you're not a member yet and you want to join up for the first time, when you do, you'll get a wonderful pin badge uh, with the uh, CST logo, and it's it's a lovely thing. I wear it to every game. So there you go. Oh, the other thing I should say is if you are going to, if you're coming along or if you can't come along and you want to ask Charles Rose from the CPO a question, the best thing to do is to get your question in first to membership at chelseasupporterstrust.com using CPO as the subject line. And then uh, we can put that to Charles and hopefully you can get an answer. Now, talking of the CPO, of course, if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea... If you want a little bit of Chelsea with your chocolate, join our club. Something like that. What was that great chant from the 70s? Jonathan will remember this. If you like a lot of aggro with your football, join our club. <laughs> That's the one, wasn't it? Yeah. I knew I'd remember it eventually. One of my favourite... Oh, that that one. And if you go down to the bridge today, you're sure of a big surprise. If you go down to the bridge today... I can't, I can't remember the rest of it now, but it's basically Jeremy the Sugar Puff Pear... Has, has, has put on boots and shaved his hair. Today's yeah. the day that, that yeah. Jeremy became a skinhead. Yes. Those are probably two of my all-time favourite chants, those two. Anyway, was, That was the period I started hiding and going into the West Stand, if I could. I don't believe you. I know I was, that you actually shaved your head and you were wearing kickers <laughs> and a dun dungarees, mate. You thought you'd like kind of blend in. Um, anyway, yeah, anyway, we rudely interrupted our plug for the CPO. If you want to own a little bit of Chelsea, protect the future of the club and buy a share, uh, and then that means that you, like many thousands of others, will own part of the free, well, own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and make sure that we do carry on playing football there forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Um, all you have to do, uh, it's about 100 quid for a share, or you can pay it by instalments, I believe. But if you want to know more, go and uh, just email them, info at chelseapitchowners.com, uh, and check out the website, chelseafc.com forward slash fans, forward slash chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners. Uh, and of course, you can follow them on Twitter at uh, at pitch owners on Twitter. There you go, very easy. Now, finally, uh, last but by no means least, uh, I, I alluded to it earlier, I think. I'm not sure if I did or not, but. Uh, the latest uh, issue of CFC UK is available. Uh, if you can always go and get a copy before the game, just kind of find anybody that's shouting out, hurry up, it's only a pound, and then you'll know that they're nearby. Or you can buy it from the CFC UK store, which is opposite Fulham Broadway. Um, I've written an article on the difference between supporters and fans. Uh, which is uh, the subject of some debate on Twitter recently. Um, now, if you're not in the in the UK, you can't get to a game. Uh, you can always get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. If you're in the USA, uh, just follow at cfcuk cfcukusa. Uh, or, of course, if you want a proper copy of it, you can get hold of Dan Lundberg on Twitter. Who is Dan? Dan Lundberg underscore. 
Well done. Got there in the end. Now, after the break, we've got some cracking emails from, appropriately, uh, Kevin Costner, star of uh, Dances with Wolves, and Luke Hatherley, star of the Brisbane Blues podcast. We'll be back in a sec. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Okay, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and this, of course, is the Chelsea Fancast that you have been listening to. Uh, you poor, sad people. Uh, you have my sympathies. I have to do it every week. Uh, anyway, uh, we are back for the final part, and I have with me, and as I have done for the entire evening, the wonderful, mellifluous Jonathan Kidd. Oh, thank you. The incredibly erudite and well-informed Liam Toomey from ESPN. Pleasure to be here. And my brother-in-arms and reminder of all things that I need to be reminded of, Mr Dan Silver. Hello. There you go. It's a good show tonight. I've enjoyed it immensely, actually. We've had some very intelligent chat from all, all of us have been intelligent tonight. I mean, I expect Makes that from change. Liam. Makes I know. I know. I feel the bar has been raised tonight, uh, as opposed to being lowered like I normally tried to do. Uh, now we've got, you know, not many emails this week, J.K., but two good ones I feel, and and the first one certainly I think can uh, stimulate a little bit of debate. So uh, over to your very capable hands. And by the way, when we get there isn't a third one, but there's something that I would love you to read out on behalf of Gary Wilson. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. But we'll get to that after that. But first of all, from Kevin Costner. Can I just say that I love Field of Dreams? Anyway, um, dear all, this is not solely Chelsea-related, more so general football. Many are talking about how certain teams are devaluing the much-loved FA Cup. In fact, we were talking about it earlier. For this reason, and to resurrect every team's interest in this wonderful competition, I'd like to hear your thoughts on awarding the FA Cup winners a place in the UEFA Champions League, no matter who they are. Should a team both win the cup and finish in the top three of the Premier League, then the fourth qualifying spot would be awarded to fourth spot of the league. I think this would certainly rev up the FA Cup and provide so much more entertainment. Here's hoping we are dancing with wolves and all over them tomorrow evening. Kind regards, Kevin Costner, a.k.a. Dilbert Pickles. Oh, I thought it was really Kevin Costner. Oh, I'm disappointed now. I'm get this autograph. I'm just anyway, confused. Um, I'm confused. But anyway, go on, mate. What were you about to say? Um, uh, yes, I was going to posit that earlier. I, I just, are, are we allowed to do that? Are we allowed to change the, um, I, suppose the, I suppose the FA can do what they want, can't they? If they want to give that the route through, they can make a, they can make a, 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 a play for that. I mean, I think that would, that would immediately change everybody's attitude to it, making the FA Cup with a place in the UEFA Champions League. Um, it's just a question of whether... Uh, would, would the clubs have to vote for it? I think they would, wouldn't they? I don't know, Liam, you would know more than I would about this. Um, I think they probably would, um, a two-thirds majority, and, and it would also rely on the Premier League listening to the FA about something, which doesn't happen doesn't very happen often. Very oh, right, 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 yeah. Because it makes logical sense, doesn't it? Because it really would keep the competition running i suppose the problem is it would mean that the the squads would have to be even stronger because uh, and perhaps the perhaps the uh, lots of the premier league sides would still make a decision not to put out their best teams 
just because they're trying to maintain, as we said earlier, their places in the Premier League, which is, which is so important to them. So uh, um, I think I'm already making an argument for not having it happen. Actually. <laughs> uh, they they you know, just be the, like, the, the Everton's, Tottenham's, the teams in the periphery of the Champions League going all out to win the, uh, the yeah. FA Cup. I, I, can't, I can't see it happening. As, not, as good as I do as it is, I just don't think it'll happen. I don't know whether UEFA would allow it to be a, a domestic cup to qualify for the Champions League. It may go against their qualification. Um, yeah, maybe UEFA get involved as well. Yeah. yeah. Liam, what, what do you think about it, mate? I'd love to hear your view. And I think, I, by the way, I agree with you. I think ultimately it won't be up to the FA. It will be the Premier League that would, would have to decide it. And as you rightly said, they don't give two hoots about the FA. So they ain't changing, I would have thought. But generally, what do you think? Is that a good idea? I don't think it's a solution. Um, not workable. I think it's a nice idea in principle. But if you look at the winners of the FA Cup in the last 20 years, um, there's only two times in the last 20 years that it's been won by a club outside the current big six. Arsenal. So, <laughs> well, so you'd be, in all likelihood, this extra Champions League place would just be going to the same clubs anyway. The big, the big clubs play their reserves for the first few rounds. As soon as they play a real team, they play their real teams. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a solution. I also think it, it, it's a, it would be a bit of a shame to effectively turn the FA Cup into a feeder competition. Um, I think the, the big, the big issue with the FA Cup is is the middling Premier League clubs that that rest players um, because the the Premier League money and the Premier League prestige is so much more important to them than than unfortunately the glory of, of possibly winning a trophy. Um, and I don't know how you counteract that lack of ambition. Well, there, there, once, there once was a rule, wasn't there, that you, um, if, you, if you fielded an understrength side, is you got fined. But I suppose the fine would be sort of meaningless if it was 20,000. It would become irrelevant because if, if you're still maintaining your stay in the, uh, in the division and that's the priority. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant anyway. It's irrelevant anyway, Jonathan, because the argument against that is that they all say, well, we have a squad of 25, which we put forward to the league every year. So in theory, every single one of those 25 are good enough to play for our side. So even if they played what is clearly the second string team, they can't get done. And I think that's what's happened in the past. Um, I I have some quite uh, stringent or strident views even on on this, and and they are all quite Luddite-like, you'll be delighted to know. Um, because first and foremost, um, I, I, you know, I, I think, you know, I, honestly, I still think only the champions should, should go to the Champions League. I think it's a farce that we have all these teams in there. But there we go. That ain't changing. Um, I also strongly believe that the cup winners should go into the Cup Winners' Cup because I think it was a wonderful competition where you just had all the people that won their respective cups. Uh, and I'd love to see that come back rather than this stupid, bloody, money-grabbing Europa League nonsense. Um but as for as for uh, I'm going to kind of address it in reverse order. I, I like Liam's points about uh, the middling Premier League teams and what can you do about it. I mean, actually, I would add to that, Liam, also some of the uh, champions, uh, you know, that the championship sides who are battling it out to get promoted. I think that they've got their eyes on the money prize and they're also resting players. Um, I don't think you can make sanctions against them for the reasons that I said a minute ago. But I tell you what, if you're a supporter of one of these middling Premier League clubs and your only chance of glory ever, because you are not going to win the league, Leicester was a one-off, is to go and have a good cup run and win an FA Cup. If you don't like it, protest. 
make a stand. Don't go to the games. Stick it to your board. Make them realise that you actually value it and you care about it and you won't put up with them putting out a second string, string team that is going to get beaten. That's the only way you'll change it um, and the only thing that they'll listen to, I'm afraid. Um, so there you go. But as far as the cup is concerned as a whole, I, I agree with Liam's point. Um, we, we haven't had any kind of bogus wins at all. We've had a few bogus finalists, I would say. But I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I, I You know, for me, it, it shouldn't just be a, a stitch up by the usual Premier League cartel. And I have to say that I think that this year's FA Cup has been one of the best in recent times. And of course, the irony of that is because so many, you know, middling Premier League teams and some championship teams haven't taken it seriously. And they've got a hefty bonk on the nose by some of these lower league and even non-league teams. And I mean... In my lifetime, I mean, clearly, you know, this is the first time we've had a non-league team getting into the quarterfinals of the FA Cup for 103 years. I think that that's brilliant. I think that's exactly what the magic of the Cup is all about. I think that Sutton playing Arsenal tonight is exactly what the magic of the Cup is about. So I think whilst it's probably through, you know, nefarious reasons as to why we've ended up in this situation, I actually think that it's making the Cup competition great again where you know that the leveling that the playing field has been leveled a bit and i for one think it's great my final point is that i would absolutely not at all uh condone putting the fa cup winners into the champions league i just think you know that the tournament's as, as much of a nonsense as it is without adding to it with that so that's what i think who would like to respond to your uncle chidge first who haven't i heard from for a while dan i think <laughs> Well, I don't know where to start. Um, <laughs> That's what they all say, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I think you pretty much stole everyone's words. Uh, nail on the head. I think the, the changes is ridiculous. You know, if, if, if a player... If, I mean, we were lucky. If we'd been to Wolves and we had, you know, a team that you wouldn't really say, you know what, we've been hard done by. We haven't seen, you know, any star players. And we, we, we're a bit different because we've respected the cup for as long as I can remember, apart from days when we were getting knocked out at home by Oxford. With respect to the cup, that wasn't, got... that wasn't a lack of respect. That was a lack of talent, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember. I mean, I, I love the FA Cup. Growing up as a yeah. kid, we, you know, if we got the fourth round, it'd be like a party in my household. Um, and and now it's it's still got magic for me. I, you know, getting to New Wembley for the first time, still love it. And I think we yeah, something needs to be done. What is a question though? I mean, how, how, but, but, but Dan, when, my when the, point is, but Dan, my point is, I don't think anything needs to be done. I think it it ain't broke. I mean, don't there's no broke. need to fix it. But I think it's fake you know, news, Dan. Yeah, and I mean, in terms of you know, look at look at you know Lincoln, you know, you know, look at you know the shock today. Arsenal might beat Sutton. That's going to be a massive shock if that happens. <laughs> it, it's just it's the FA Cup magic. People got so many delusions of grandeur about everything now in this in this world we're in. It's you know, it's it's a great competition. You get to Wembley, it's a day out. It's fantastic. Who cares who gets there? If it's your team, brilliant. If I have, I've only watched one cup final in the last few years, which is Chelsea one. If Chelsea aren't in it, I couldn't give a crap. I caught the last minute winner when Wigan beat Man City, and that was that was brilliant for football. You know, you know, twenty million pound Wigan beating two hundred pound two hundred million Man City. That you know gave Roberto Martinez three years of glory, or not as the case may be. It's it's a great competition. It just there's long may it continue and long may we keep winning it. I'd just like to ask Liam what, what he thinks about my statement about what, what, what supporters can do if, if they support a, a middling Premier League team or a, a challenging championship team. Yeah, I think that's true. I think protest is the only way to um, 
to get owners to notice and sometimes that isn't even enough but you don't know unless you try and uh i think the fact that we haven't seen too much protest and that um you know managers many managers will just routinely come out and said well you know the league is the priority um they clearly think they can get away with that and fans let them get away with it so as, as long as that happens things aren't going to change um i think there's a there's an the FA Cup's carved out quite a nice niche along with the, the League Cup as far as the big clubs are concerned where you get to see a lot of the time young English players that aren't getting a chance in the league um, and some of the fringe some of the fringe players that aren't necessarily getting minutes um, and sometimes you know that can be rewarding as well but it depends what you want from a, from a game you tend to get different crowds for cup games generally. Um, but if if the hardcore fans really want to make a statement, and I think protest probably is the only way. Mm, I do indeed. Resistance, as they say in the States. But uh, Jonathan, I think I think Liam picks up on a really good point there, and it actually resonates totally with me, because I, I actually, in a sense, I look forward in, in some respects to watching a cup match at Stamford Bridge or away more than I would, say, if we were playing Swansea or, or Bournemouth or something, because... You know, let's be honest. Nine times out of ten this season, we're gonna we're gonna beat a team like Swansea. I hope I'm not hexing it now or, or Bournemouth. But with a cup match, uh, you know, I know I'm gonna see some of the kids that are gonna get a chance. You know, like the Chilobas, the Akes, the Loftus Cheeks, and that suddenly that that gives it an added interest to me. I think I think yes, especially for us, it's it's great to be able to see um, fringe players having a go, but. Uh, I think for the rest of the, um, uh, the for the rest of the division, I think we've we've talked about it. Is they're not interested in the FA Cup until unless they get further along the line into the sixth fifth into the sixth mm-hmm. round, they're going to play. They're all they're uh, they're going to play their reserves, and uh, I I think it's reflected in 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 some of the turnouts for the crowds. I think the only people who are interested in the third, fourth, fourth, and fifth rounds are the uh, uh, are the lower clubs who. Um, who see that they're going to get a day out against the Premier League team is what they hope. And they might win because the Premier League side is putting out their mm. their second team. Um, and that devalues it for me. So I don't agree with you at all, Chidge, actually, about mm. the, the the magic of the cup at the moment. I think it's it's suited towards, uh, um, uh, towards the lesser teams getting further in the competition than ever before, as has been proven by this year. I, I don't think it's because suddenly the lower teams have... Uh, are playing wonderfully. I mean, they are as it is. Lincoln have played t- very well, but they're playing against um, they're playing against lesser opposition than would be the case. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's a really good point, J.K. And I, I think really what it boils down to is what do you want for your FA Cup? Do you want to see magic or quality? I mean, just 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 let me finish your point. I think what yeah, you're yeah. saying is that you you think it's such an important competition that you want to see the best. You know, you want to yeah. see the best teams play against the best teams. Sod, sod it if they're small and they can't win. That's just tough. That's how it is. Whereas I kind of have embraced the fact that basically a lot of these teams cheat the FA Cup by not playing their best teams. And I think that gives the smaller teams a bit of a chance, which I think is magical. But I, I think that but they're both they're different points. But I, I get where you're coming from. I really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. the point I was going to make, I've just forgotten it. because Ah, uh, no! Yeah, sorry. Damn it, I'm sorry about Never that. Mind. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, I just um, wanted to clarify what you're saying because I actually, I, I, you know, in, in a sense, I agree with you. I, I think, I think you do want to see the the, the best, don't you? Well, you really do. I, but what used to happen was that you know you'd get um, a, a smaller club would draw a first division club 
on their really awful pitch where the yeah. ball didn't run, or it would be um, it, it had snowed the night before and it was freezing, um, and you you the, the 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 bigger club would be looking for a replay where they just get them back and then trounce them. But the chances were that the pitch was so awful and the crowd was so close that then there'd be an upset. But it would be it would be the top team playing against the the lesser team, and to me that was slightly more rewarding than having um, the the lower team um, having their, it was almost like having their day in court, you know, they're, uh, they're, out, <laughs> they're, 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 they're out there and they're going to, they're going to give it large against this, the upstart Premier League side, but the upstart Premier League side isn't really taking it that seriously. So to me, that really does diminish it, I'm afraid. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, just to sum, sum it all up, I, uh, my, my view on it was, would be, well, it's all right for us. We're Chelsea, which is pretty, pretty much, yeah, my, yeah. Answer, well, pretty much think... my answer to everything really, but you know, <laughs> but I, anyway, I think... ju- Go on, yeah. mate. No, I'm Go just going to say it's. it's uh, I think we've done we've done well. One of the well, because we've given people a go, but then um, if necessary, we've then brought on some of the first team players. I mean, even at the Wolves game, I was thinking, well, it wouldn't really matter if we went down a goal because he'll bring the Kante twins on, and then we'll just <laughs> win, and then we'll just win it because he's such a wonderful, wonderful player. Yeah, that's you know, true you enough. think you think that he'll just shore the midfield up, and then that then we'll just win. So, right. so I, 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 there isn't the same trepidation I find watching the FA Cup as there is watching a league game. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to uh, do you want to do Luke's email? Let's do Luke happily. Um, good day, Chidge and the boys. Sorry, that's really <laughs> unfair. Uh, good day, Chidge and the boys. I'm writing to you from sunny Brisbane, Australia, home of the Queensland Chelsea Supporters Club, formerly known as, although often still referred to as, the Brisbane Blues. I wanted to share my feelings about Mr. Conte, which are rapidly turning into a full-blown man crush. (laughs) Yeah, baby. It's hard not to love this guy's way of speaking, behaviour and tactics. He's young, bringing the club respect. He's shaken the team awake. He shows passion. He's winning. He's keeping clean sheets. And he's leading the league by eight points. In the summer, he can add his players. We can only get better. He has dignity and class in victory and defeat as well. And not many recent Chelsea managers have been like that. I'm glad he's doing it on his own terms without the constant perceived interference at board level. And I hope he hangs around for a significant amount of time. Anyway, just want to say I appreciate how much work goes into producing such a quality podcast. So thanks for an always entertaining couple of hours every week. Regards, Luke Hatherley. P.S. Can I give a quick plug? to our national supporters meet being held here in Brisbane on the 4th and 5th of March. It'll be a rather boozy Chelsea-filled weekend. <laughs> I think the best... That, well, brilliant. Good, good luck with that, Luke. Uh, and plug away. So if, you, if you're in Australia or Brisbane, more to the point, they, those boys have got their due on the 4th and the 5th of March. Dan, do you know how to get hold of the Brisbane Blues? They've got a Twitter address or uh, something. They have. Let me try to find it for you. I think I might have a contact numbers as well. Let me try Come back to me in a second so I can find it. Yeah, for yeah, you. just just at the end of the show, we can give out the Twitter yeah. address. Um, I'd also, I'd like to say, you know, win or lose, the Brisbane Blues are on the booze. But um, silence, tumbleweed. Tumbleweed, tumbleweed. I shall move on swiftly. There's another little plug which I promised I would give him on the show, and he also, Jonathan, requested that it would be you who read it, and he is in oh. Mixler at the moment because I can Wait, see Mister G Wilson, CFC, is in there. So off you go, Jonathan. Thank you, mate. Very nice of you. Gary Wilson is starting a new venture as a travel consultant from March the 25th. 
to help you with any packaged holidays, flights, honeymoons, cruises and bespoke trips. He's currently working on the website and Facebook, but you can find out more at travelcounsellors.co.uk. I'll repeat that. Travelcounsellors.co.uk. Now, you see, I know Jonathan Kidd very, very well, Gary, as you know, and uh, I can tell you that Jonathan performed that like he was being paid the huge bucks he gets paid to do it for TalkSport Channel 4. That was the most professional reading of a thing in the Chelsea Fancast script that Jonathan Kidd has ever done, Gary. All for you. Am I right, JK? Absolutely, Chidge. Yeah, brilliant stuff. I have to say, Chidge, I wasn't doing my my sci-fi one, though, because my sci-fi read at the moment, I just did... um, um, the exorcist for them which would be which would be gary wilson is starting a new venture as a travel consultant from march 25th to help you with any packaged holidays flights honeymoons cruises and bespoke trips he's currently working on the website and facebook but you can find out more at travelcounselors.co.com UK. Oh, that is fantastic! You're absolutely Brilliant. lewd. Do you know what? He, do you know what he's just said? He's just said, "I owe him a new Wi-Fi and router." <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very funny. Brilliant. JK, you're a star. Sorry, you were going to say. Don't let me interrupt you. No, no, no. no. It's got, it was got Dan. Yeah. Hang on, hang on. Let Jonathan, Jonathan no, no, first. It, it, it was Dan. It was Dan who spoke. Oh, then. oh right. I'm so sorry. Well, Jonathan, sorry. can I just say thank you so much for reading them as beautifully as you did, and I hope Gary uh, that helps. And uh, if you send me some stuff later on, Gary, I'll keep plugging it because I love you to pieces, and I'll do anything I can to help you. And, uh, I, and Dan, I'm you... happy to read it out whenever, Chidge. Happy to read. There it you out. go. There we go. There's a lot of love in the house for Gary, which is just what we need. Um, right, Dan. Uh, yeah. You've got the Brisbane Blues Twitter yeah. address, right? Brisbane Blues is at Brisbane CFC. Right at Brisbane CFC. So if you're yeah. in Oz, uh, get in, and, and in Queensland, clearly, get in touch with Luke and the boys. Uh, it's at Brisbane CFC. Yeah, I'll just tweet it by the fan cast as well now, so people can see it. Uh, nice one. And uh, they've got their due on the fourth and fifth of March, where they will drink heavily and do all things Chelsea. I wish I could go. God, I would love. To. I love Brisbane too. I'd do any. I'd cut my right arm off to be. But well, I wouldn't cut my right arm off because that's my drinking arm. I'll cut my left arm off to be with you and the boys, Luke. All right. Okay. Uh, we're nearly there for the end of this show. Um, but we do before we go. Um, just to remind you, because we only had two this week, we've been on a massive, massive roll, and there's nothing I like more than to make Jonathan Kidd work extremely hard by having to read out five immensely long emails. In fact, actually, what I will say is, I, I the, the thing I like most about those two emails was the fact that they were about the perfect length actually so that's lovely uh, but we do like receiving them and of course we'll always try and read them out on the show so do send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com and do it uh, preferably no later than monday morning uh, right uh, i'm very sad to say that's what we've got time for this week because i have thoroughly enjoyed it it's been a, a, a very interesting fancast tonight uh, well done to uh, the boys who have been with me who i will thank profusely in a second but before i do uh, it's not the end of the week for us because, of course, there'll be another Kerry Dixon show to download, uh, hopefully this Thursday. In fact, definitely this Thursday. And Kerry and I will be looking back at the Wolves game and previewing the Swansea match coming up on the Saturday. And, of course, uh, I will be back next Monday night together with Jonathan and Tony Glover, be warned, at... Oops, excuse me. Hiccups in the middle of that. So I'll, I'll be back with Jonathan, Tony Glover, and, of course, the... Uh, 
the man known as Joe Tweeds. Uh, what is it that Darren Mantle always used to? No lesser man lesser than man. Joe Tweeds. That's it. No lesser man than Joe Tweeds. That'll be good. Joe's always great value, isn't he, JK? So that'll yeah, be fun. Yeah. All right. Now, don't forget to follow all these lovely people, uh, including the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast. Me at Stanford Chidge, uh, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Dan at Dan Silves seventy three, and the absolutely wonderfully fantastic Liam Toomey at Liam underscore Toomey, uh, which is T W O M E Y. Uh, and of course, check out the website, ChelseaFanCast.com. Many thanks to the Chelsea Fancast bloggers. Well done, Alex, on another stupendous girl who likes balls blog this week. Keep them coming. Right, uh, Jonathan, it's been an absolute pleasure. You're, you're getting away relatively early to go and play, uh, play in the Nets at Lords, I believe. I'll be able to have more than a five-minute back. Thank you very much indeed. D- don't, don't lie. We know that you're, you're always usually out before the five minutes are up anyway. So, <laughs> Well, I may be out, but one of the advantages of the net, of course, is that I can just keep missing the same ball and be bold. Yes. Yeah. yes, you see, that's very true. I always used to hate nets for that very reason, because it, I, I never batted in the nets with any sensibility whatsoever. I would just try and knock the leather off every ball and usually miss it. Uh-huh. You know, uh, no, so. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very good at keeping the old left elbow up. I'm very traditional. Oh, good man. Yeah, I'm, I'm very good at keeping the right elbow up. Yes, I've heard that about you. Yeah. yeah so there we go. Jonathan, you've been a star as always. You've been absolutely on fire tonight, mate. You've been a real, real pleasure working with you tonight. So have fun. Well, may I say, may I say uh, helped by the guests, obviously, rather yes. than have, uh, um, having uh, um, uh, the odd interference from last week from uh, from phones ringing and things. It was nice to have it. Oh, uh, meow. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Anyway, have a lovely week, and I'll catch up with you next week. Hopefully, maybe even see you Saturday if you come to the SGM. No pressure. Um, no, I'll be there. I'll be there, kid. Oh, well, lovely. Okay, I'll see you there. Brilliant stuff. Uh, now, Dan, of course, lovely to see you, my friend. Um, I'm very disappointed I won't see you at the meeting, but uh, you're going to be at the match. No, I'm going on holiday on Saturday. So you are. So you yeah. are. Well, there you go. You picked a good one to miss, I think. Anyway, brilliant to have you here, as always, and we'll get you good back on soon. Yeah, we'll get you back on soon before the month is out, I'm sure. Uh, last but by no means least, a very special thank you to Liam Toomey, who has been fantastic, so knowledgeable and insightful. Always a pleasure having you on the show, mate. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be here, mate. Mm, great stuff. Hopefully we'll catch up. Be nice to have a beer sometime soon, Liam. I know you work hard, but uh, we'll get you out on a Chelsea match and you can have a beer. be lovely to see you. All right. Okay. Many thanks, as I said to my guests this week. Thanks uh, to lovely, wonderful people in Mixler, without whom it would be bloody pointless. Uh, well done. I love, I love the fact that you're in there every week. Makes me smile. So thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chelsea. Up, up, It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.